Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Obituary early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. If you remember how powerful it felt to snap a hot pink razor flip phone shut after getting off the phone, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Claren's multi-active cream to your daily routine. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C-Holly bioextract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While multi-active creams can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can distress your skin. Clarins Multi-Active Cream is available online now. Go to clarins.com slash truecrime and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off. A free welcome gift plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash truecrime with promo code truecrime. Clarins.com slash truecrime with promo code True crime. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery. Ladies and gentlemen, Geoffs, Jeffs, and everyone else, prepare yourselves because... Obituary is coming live to a city near you. Oh, baby. We're talking Boston. New York City. Washington, D.C. Philip, PA. San Francisco, California. Portland, Oregon. Seattle, Washington. Houston, Texas. Austin, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Oh my God, just everywhere in Texas. <laughs> We've got Denver, Colorado. Phoenix, Arizona. Salt Lake City. Atlanta, Georgia. Nashville, Tennessee. Pontiac, Michigan. Chicago, Illinois. Minneapolis, Minnesota, baby. Our grand finale. We can't wait to see you. Visit obituarypodcast.com to purchase tickets. Pre-sale tickets are available now with the password GEOF. That's G-E-O-F-F. On this show, we cover some sensitive topics. Though the obituaries may be outlandish, the people are real. Names have been changed or omitted in order to respect both the deceased and the survived by. While death is no laughing matter, some petty last words can provide some pretty entertaining comic relief. Welcome to Obituary.
And we're live in three, two, one. Welcome back to Obituary. I'm Spencer Henry. And I'm Madison Reyes. Oh, and we're just so delighted to see you all this evening. Oh, Geoffs, we missed you. We missed you so much. We're actually here to check in. We just wanted to have a little heart to heart, okay? Yeah, we know that some people can get the holiday blues. Uh-huh. And we know that sometimes starting a New Year's resolution journey can be a tough one. It can be a challenge, I would say. Some people are motivated. And some people are feeling like it's hard to keep up. And if that's you, well, babe, we just just keep going. Yeah, but we also get it. I had about four Reese's Pieces today on my (laughs) fitness journey. Yes. We just wanted to remind you all of our motto that we created. We should make bracelets that say WWGD. What What would would G? Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. So is everyone sticking to their resolutions? Ooh, I've stuck to most of mine. Oh, well, gotta say this. Okay, so I started doing hot girl walks with hot dog Mm -hmm. in the morning. Anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Okay. A good walk. I was walking the other day over here, mm-hmm. like a few blocks away uh-huh. from my house, and guess who I run into? A geoff. A geoff. Incredible. So nice. Just had such nice things to say about us and the show, and it was just so nice. Geoff, if you're listening, you know who you are. We love you. And don't tell anyone where we live. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I was on a walk the other day. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I walk the dogs every day, but I was specifically walking in an area by our new house. There's a lot of horses. Uh Uh-huh. And so I was walking. You know, it's been really rainy here lately. Oh, my God. Has it been rainy? Well, I ate shit in the mud. Could (laughs) not. I didn't tell you this. I could not. Stand up, Spencer. What do you mean? I kept sliding (laughs) back in the mud with the dog strapped to me like, oh, she's embarrassing. It was terrible. You know my puffer jacket I always wear? Uh, Yes, I do. I've tried to get you to get rid of it 30 (laughs) times. years. (laughs) Mud all over it. Did you have to get rid of it? No, just a good (laughs) clean wash. Throw it out. (laughs) Burn it. You guys, it's a crazy jacket. No, but I'm so, I feel so happy that we're like finally into this year. Uh Uh-huh. Because the holidays were crazy. The holidays were crazy. I love the holidays, but I'm also glad they're over because it throws me off when we're recording because everything we've recorded prior to this week has taken place in December. Uh It's kind of like when you're watching a reality show and they're celebrating Christmas, but it's like March or something for you. Uh And I'm like, no, I just want to be like current with the times. And so, and there's like stories I want to tell for the holidays and stuff. But now that everything is said and done, you had full house. Full house. The week of we had my whole husband's family, his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, nephews in the house, which was wonderful. It was just like a big holiday home. It's so fun. I love having people over. I think because you and I are the same. We're like, we're home alone so much uh-huh. that it feels so fun. But it's also always is a good feeling. I think everyone feels that way when you have like the house back to yourself afterwards. I going into the new year, am like, okay, I want to go into the new year with everything pristine. Like yes. throwing out clothes, oh. throwing out everything. Get rid of it. All of the, especially that puffer jacket. Never. <laughs> um, the time capsule, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, do you want to tell them what we bought? 
a little Christmas gift to ourselves. Well, you called me and you were like, okay, I'm pulling the trigger. I'm going to buy a Peloton. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy one too. Well, I think you inferred <laughs> you wanted me to get one too. Well, yeah. Why would I just get one for myself? It'd be boring. <laughs> I know. I was talking to someone on the phone. I forget who. And they were like, oh, what are you guys going to just put them next to each other? And I was I like, I wish. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we could put them both in the back of the Sprinter van and park yeah. them in your driveway with Wi-Fi. Perfect. Or just pull up in front of a gym or something. Like, yeah, we got it too. <laughs> we're also <laughs> fitness enthusiasts. No, I'm really excited. So if you guys have instructors and stuff that you love, leave them in the comments. Yeah, and also we'll be live streaming our own. Oh, so. never. <laughs> never in our lives. Imagine if Peloton let us host a class. Maybe They do let people come on. Like guests? Yeah, they had, they had Trixie Mattel. They had Lizzo. They're, it's cool. Okay, you know what? We're actually going to reach out to, hey, Peloton, if you're listening. Peloton. Our people are going to be reaching out to your people because we oh, need yeah. a G-off group workout. Actually. Actually, one of the Peloton instructors, I used to work for Makeup Forever and she did too. Oh, really? And yeah, we've crossed paths a couple times and she's like so kind. Well, hit her up. Yeah. Fine. Toon Day. If anyone takes classes from Toon Day, she's very kind. Oh. Oh my gosh. What else? You were up north for the holidays. I was. Shorter than anticipated because Everett and my family got the flu that we just had. I was with you the day or two before when you started getting the calls and the messages. Uh Like, so-and-so sick, so-and-so sick. (laughs) And you're like, fuck. I know. I didn't know what to do, but I was like, I don't want to spend another Christmas down here. And like, I don't want to, I wouldn't be alone. Obviously, I would just go with you or whatever. But I was like, I want to see my family. I have not gotten to go up there a lot this year. And last holidays, everyone was sick with COVID. So Mm -hmm. I did go up, but I ended up just getting a hotel. And I actually stayed at the Claremont, Mm -hmm. which is in the Berkeley Hills. And it's actually where we had my mom's service. Have you stayed there since the service? No. Did it feel special or did it feel Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful property. Uh Uh-huh. It's so pretty. The rooms are very nice. Everyone that works there is so nice. My mom's service was incredible and it was like such a good I mean nobody wants to do that but like if there's a best case scenario it was the best case scenario. But I didn't feel weird going back at all. It felt actually like very welcoming and they also have Lalabo products in all of the uh-huh. bathrooms and it's the scent that my mom wore which is like the Rose 31 or whatever. Aww. And so it felt like a nod. Like yeah. I, I liked it. And they're also a dog friendly hotel so hot dog was just like running shit i mean she's very good she's a good walker she'll if she's off leash she'll just walk next to me yeah Uh uh-huh we would just walk through the lobby she had her little christmas sweater on and they all loved it what i was really impressed by was we would get off the elevator and she knew which way to go exactly which room to go she would like immediately get off the elevator and walk to the door oh of our room isn't that weird like maybe she's been there before well she just like memorized it i was like okay all right Yeah. My grandpa, unfortunately, got sick. And so he was in the hospital. And I went and visited him there. I mean, I love it. I love him. He's the best. He was at our live show. He was. He was at the live show. If you guys were there. He's hilarious. Mm -hmm. But there was like two different nurses that came in at different times. And he's like, it kept telling them I was a rock star. (laughs) I was like, thanks, 
grandpa that he was like just being a grandpa like proud of yeah. like, bragging or Aww, whatever but not but really getting I was just it. I was like they don't know me they wouldn't know me and blah 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 and they're like oh you have a podcast I'm like no I don't know what he's talking no. about he's losing it we gotta get us some more fluids up the IV I told him he was like god I gotta get out of here they gotta do some more tests tomorrow and I said surprise grandpa you're getting a lobotomy after this uh-huh. he loved that he called his wife and he's like yeah Spencer says I gotta get a lobotomy in the morning so after that I'll give you a call she's like all right <laughs> I love it I mean they're from the era too of lobotomies so. I know scary watch out grandpa. watch out we got to spend New Year's together you and I and our yes. dogs and your husband and yes we played games it was just a really quiet New Year's yeah it was great. We, we watched Miley's Miley and Dolly. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. And Harris Hilton came out. Are you oh, fucking kidding boy, me? Oh, did she. The stars are blind on New Year's Eve, baby. That was incredible. And when she tried to hit that note. Oh, she gave it her all. I just love a personality. She could sing anything. And the fact that she got out there and she's always just all smiles and like and confident. And she walks out confident next to Dolly fucking Parton and Miley Cyrus, who has an incredible voice. Yeah, or it was Sia she walked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Sia and Miley Cyrus. But I mean, still. Either. Yeah. Great. And she's just like, fuck it. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to come out. And she went, that's hot. (laughs) Yeah. I loved it. Oh, come on. We love a bit and we love someone who can stick Stick to to it. Stick to it. Our life is just one big bit at this point. (laughs) Can't take it all seriously, you know? No. And when we learn how to take something seriously, we'll let you guys know. We'll let you know. Close the curtains, babe. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's corny, but I really do love a new year. Mm-hmm. It feels like a fresh week. It feels like a fresh month. It feels like, I, I don't know. I, I like it. I like yeah. having or implementing new routines. Like walking has been really good. Mm-hmm. You and I both restarted filling out our five-minute journals. Mm-hmm. Which, not an ad, but I love this because it's a journal every day. It has like a little prompt and you write what you're grateful for, what would be good about the day, affirmations. At the end of the day, you fill out what was good about today Mm -hmm. and what did you learn today. And Mm -hmm. I like it. You want to get real? Yeah. So I was reading like the beginning of it. I think I told you this. I'm not sure. But I was reading the beginning of it and there's some prompts that they want you to fill out before you start like the journal every day. And it was like, what are some, I don't know word for word what it said, but something like, what can you work on? Or like, what are some of like your worst qualities? And I was like, I had to get real. And I was like, I am a procrastinator. I can have a week to do something and I will wait till the last minute. Fully knowing. I've always been that way too. Part of it is like how you deal with things or like how you did things as a child because I was definitely a stay up till the night before. Uh Uh-huh. I do something, but that's something doing this, especially that I've had to work on a lot. I'm looking through mine because mine's on my desk here to see. Sometimes you just have to do it. We've talked about this before. Like if the laundry is done, just do it. Just fold it. If... You got to put gas in your car. Just do it. Like, just get it out of the way and do it. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, was it, what is your biggest challenge? Yeah. (gasps) Well, you want to get real deep? Yeah. I struggle with (gasps) self-image and consistency. Oh, self-image. I just go through, like, I'll start new workout things, Mm -hmm. and then life gets busy, and I fall off. I think I just don't have a lot of patience for myself. Mm. I'm such an instant gratification person. Yeah, I'm that way too. I'm like, 
I want it now. Uh-huh. I want it done now. Well, I guess not really because I'm a procrastinator. Well wait, well, wait to do something else. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you just feel fucking ugly, to be honest. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, not all the time. Sometimes not. But no, I, I think it's mostly maintaining fitness goals uh-huh. or like you'll look at pictures of like before images from the past 10 years and it's like, where when's the after coming, babe? Okay. <laughs> okay, wait. That was one thing I did this holiday break was I took out my old laptop and went through all my old pictures and put them onto a hard drive and so then I can transfer them or whatever. A different person. <sighs> oh my God, a different person. Young. Just young. And dumb, Uh but hot. (laughs) It's like, I wish I could put my brain now in that person. I know. Me too. Me too. I didn't know how good I had it. Oh, but it's okay. Now that we got our Pelotons, we'll be back on it. I will say I stuck to a pretty good routine with cycling last year. You did. And I think that's why Peloton will be easy Mm -hmm. to stick with. And also, my sister added us to her Peloton group chat today. Oh, yeah. And chatting it up with everyone. There's like 20 people in there. Like, everyone's like talking about it. We're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're joining. It feels like a cult. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're caught up. We got to talk. We got to talk. What Do you have any emails for us? Yes. And I just listened to your little leader and you had kind of talked about it. But what the fuck is up with the Colorado woman who owns the funeral home? Oh, my God. Who sold the body parts? Grand Junction, Colorado, right? Do Are any of you geoffs there? Hello? Hello? <laughs> I, I did. I talked about this story on Cult Leader, which is also a very obituary centric but i i uh-huh. like had to immediately tell people uh-huh. <laughs> so the colpins got a heads up on the on the little leader or whatever last week or the week before what the fuck the woman did you see her picture oh my god her hair is hairspray to, to the gods god we know where she hid the body parts i know and her mother too her mother was on, in on it yes okay so that woman what what was her name marie was it the daughter megan megan i knew and it started m- with an m the mom is Shirley Cock. I know. I, I said I think I said coach on the on oh. the but it's spelled like K-O-C-H, right? Yeah. So Megan, she's 46. Mm-hmm. Which That's a road hard put away wet 46. <laughs> Listen, we don't want to shame Madison. Okay. But I think it's the hair just makes it ages her. It's all of it. Megan, if you're listening, we have some advice, okay? No, Megan, fuck you. Oh, yeah, wait, fuck you. Because she operated the Something Mesa Funeral Home. What was Mm -hmm. the name of it? The Sunset Mesa. The Sunset Mesa. Funeral Home and Donor Services, which sources human body parts. Uh Uh-huh. Well, families would go, right? And they would, like, come to them and be like, okay, we want to do cremation for our loved one that we lost. And she'd be like, okay, yes. And then she'd, like, fucking take off an arm or a leg or something. Or some of the skin and sell it. Yeah. And her mom would help dismember the bodies. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Happen in jail. (sighs) Okay. From this Yahoo News article, this was fucking wild. Hess's defense team. That's her last name. Megan's last name. Megan Hess. Defense team claims their client has been unfairly maligned as a witch, a monster, and a ghoul. <laughs> a ghoul? Someone called her a ghoul? <laughs> a ghoul. When they argue, she is simply a broken human being with a traumatic brain injury she reportedly suffered when she was 18. The defense reportedly tried to argue that the brain injury led to her body parts plot. Okay. okay. You know what? 
Um, oh my God. The mother of one victim, it says in this article, that Megan and her mom sold her mother's shoulders, knees, and feet. <gasps> Our sweet mother, they dismembered her, the victim told the court. We don't even have a name for a crime this heinous oh well you know what i was thinking about I'm like how would you know because like you would just get the cremated remains but i'm like if you remember anything on this show it's like around seven pounds i think the weight of the ashes or something yeah so you know what after you when you get your loved one's cremains back you better weigh that shit how do you that is such a good question like did they keep a log of all the body parts that they sold maybe i'm sure i'm sure they had some sort of transactional record or maybe they they were doing like a maybe it was an operation really crazy i mean because they probably just assume uh-huh. that it's as many people as they're saying uh-huh. but yeah it went on from 2010 to 2018 wow so that's you know about eight years and it's also like blaming an injury from when you're 18 like come on no but also where are these body parts going? Who's buying them and for what? Well, I think it was for research places oh, because okay, research okay. places do really need remains. Oh, I mean, back we've talk- in the 1800s again. No, but we talked about this kind of on the body brokers I know. episode. Like there is a business for it. Yeah. Remember there was that one woman who kept like babies in her attic and stuff and all this fucked up stuff in her funeral home. I mean, there's a definite dark side to the funeral industry. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't mostly lovely people working in the funeral industry. But... Hello, magical passings. Are you kidding me? Um, please. Can we just remember them? <laughs> no, but it, I mean, that's a wild story. I also love when things like this happen because I feel like we could have a separate phone for Geoff alert. Because when something like this breaks in the news, phones go haywire. Mm-hmm. Emails everything oh yeah and even people in real life texting and like we've talked about that before like all the weird stuff that people tell us now Uh because they know that we could use it on the show or those coffin chairs Uh uh-huh the coffin chairs i think we've been tagged in 500 times a day for for every day (laughs) i know and i love it though i know i love it and i still want them but i just don't have room i I have too many chairs (laughs) i know well let's talk about their prison sentences megan got 20 years uh-huh and her mom who's 69 got 15 years which is crazy she won't get out till she's almost 85 years old bye girl i hope no one sells your body parts oh and that's on that i wish we had gavels but it doesn't look like we've received any so far we haven't there are some crimes that i feel like the perpetrator should be punished the way they did the crime you want her shoulders taken yeah a shoulder for a shoulder yep well yeah i don't Mm, no i don't know what is that called murphy's law everything has a reaction or something oh please please. what are we philosophers (laughs) excuse (laughs) me well it's also i'm like what's the mom's excuse did she have a traumatic brain injury too not to discount that that could have an effect but that's true so yeah what about mom yeah Hmm. what about miss cock Mm -hmm. mm-hmm assholes Mm mm-hmm do you have some Oh, some I, more? <laughs> baby, I got some oh, some drama happening in these ones. What? Well, always. But this first one says, am I the asshole for selling my father's house even though his widow lives there? My, I'm a 33-year-old female, father died recently. He had been married to his widow, Penny, for about seven years before. I was not close with my father. We spoke regularly and enjoyed each other's company, but I can't say either of us knew each other well for many years before his death. When he died, I was surprised to learn that he had left his entire estate to me. He put everything in a trust a year before his death, and I am the sole benefit 
beneficiary. So remember that because he's been married now, but still left everything to this daughter he doesn't talk to a lot. Besides a small sum that he left to Penny, the lawyer said that he was advised not to leave her nothing in case she tried to contest it. Mm. Everything, including his house, is now mine. My father's lawyers and mine have advised that the will is structured such that it would be near impossible and very expensive for Penny to challenge. I don't want my father's money. I don't need it. And given our relationship, I don't feel right using it. However, he wanted me to have it. So I intend to transfer everything over to my daughter, make her the beneficiary of the trust, and she will have that in addition to her own trust fund once she is of age. Mm -hmm. Which I think is smart. Like, I don't want the money, but you want to have it i'll pass it on however i do not want to keep my father's house i do not live in the same country as my father and i do not want to deal with the admin of his possessions i want the legal business done and to just close the book on a very painful chapter and grieve quietly the trouble is penny lives in the house Mm. penny does not work and was financially dependent on my father so while the lawyers say she could fight to stay living in the house she likely couldn't afford legal counsel also because of her lack of income she would never be able to maintain the house which is quite large so i would then have to keep up the house and grounds while she lived there which i'm not willing to do Mm -hmm. both because of the cost and because of the continued involvement with my father's life which i just don't want Mm -hmm. i have notified her via the lawyers of the intention to sell the house which has led to vicious and vitriolic messages from her kids calling me evil and heartless i understand this is inconvenient for them but i'm not responsible for what my father decided to do Mm -hmm. nor am i responsible for the people or the mess he left behind i'm not doing this to get one over on penny i'm just trying to be done with a traumatic part of my life Mm -hmm. am i the asshole no i don't think you're the asshole i do feel bad for penny to like uproot her whole life but she's not paying rent or anything or paying the mortgage or or paying the mortgage and like she said it's in a different country she would have to be responsible for keeping up with the grounds and whatnot and she doesn't seem like she's coming at it to get it penny no she just wants to close the chapter yeah i think for the kids to call her evil and and heartless it's like this woman just lost her father she's grieving it's not like she's like oh you have 30 days i mean i don't know what the exact situation was but what i would recommend Uh if this was person was my friend and they were asking me i'd be like if you're comfortable with it Maybe be like, hey, I'm going to give you six months Uh to get it together and and you can use the money that my father left you anyways to figure out where you're going to go next. Or how about your kids that are fucking sitting here calling me evil and heartless? Take you in. Why don't they take you in? Yeah. I just, I don't like when people are living somewhere and paying rent and then the owner's like, "Mm, we're going to sell and like just uproots their whole life. But Penny wasn't. Penny wasn't paying a penny, baby. I know. Penny was penny pinching. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's that? It's not her fault. I mean, maybe he didn't want her to work, or maybe she left her job to be with him. I mean, who knows? Although, he could have changed the will a little bit to give her a little more. We don't know how much he gave her either. He could have given her $100,000 or couple hundred thousand dollars for her to figure it out yeah but it's not this person's responsibility it's not the writer's responsibility she's not responsible no absolutely and if she had a bad weird relationship with her father and she wants to grieve privately just let her you know what i would say to penny huh penny you can buy the house from me yes do you have the money (laughs) penny you know she doesn't have it she might no. We don't know how much the dad gave her. That's true. 
But, you know? but she can't even afford legal. Co- no, she doesn't have enough to buy the house. Okay. So, Penny, sorry, you're out. Well, enough for a loan? I don't think Penny's the asshole, and I don't think the writer's the asshole. I think the kids are the asshole in this scenario for yeah. being rude and not understanding the circumstance. Yeah. It's a shitty circumstance. Shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, this next one says, am I the asshole for not wanting my husband to go to his ex's funeral? Oh, God. Another one of these, babe. All right. I'll admit it. I'm biased right off the bat. I couldn't stand her. Oh, I thought you were saying that. I'm like, no. why are you saying that so weird? No. I call her his ex to myself and others. He called her his friend. We're all in our early 40s and she died recently of an aneurysm. I've been with him for 10 years now, but he'd known her for 20 plus. The way he tells it, they were friends in college, decided to date, got married, and then realized they weren't a great couple and decided to just be friends. All that happened years before I met him, and he was clear early on that she was important. A couple months into dating, it came up that his friend was actually his ex-wife. He explained the above to me, saying that she was one of his closest friends and that it was purely platonic. I expressed some discomfort at him being so close to an ex, and he told me, that's fine, if you have a serious issue with it, just let me know. Save us the time. I'll choose her. I like you and all, but I've known her for 12 years. She's a very important person in my life, and you'll just have to be okay if you want us to be a thing. Okay, but right off the bat, why is he lying about her being the ex-wife? I don't like that. I don't think he lied about it. I think he just didn't tell her. I think he was just like, this is my friend, blah, blah, blah. Okay. When we were engaged, I asked again, and he gave me this perplexed look and asked, why would us getting married affect my friendships? I sucked it up and went along. I resented every moment of knowing her, especially when we had to be social. She understood some part of him I couldn't. Her husband was friends with mine as well, so it's not like I could use him as an angle. His ex-wife had gotten remarried too. They were all just stayed friends, Mm -hmm. which I don't see any problem with. And I think the older you are, as long as nothing really bad happens... Yeah. You can totally stay friends. Yeah. It's a maturity. Right. She wrote, he'd have lunch with the ex. They'd go to their geeky movies or whatever. And the few times I brought it up, he said, we had this conversation before. You had your chance to back out. Which is, I mean, fair. He said from the beginning, like, if you're not cool with the fact that my ex is my friend, then yeah, whatever. And then he said she died after they had lunch the other day on the way to her car. He spent a bunch of time crying, but honestly, I was relieved. He was working with her husband on funeral planning, and I told him, you don't think you're going, do you? (gasps) My argument summed up, she's dead, so she's not a factor anymore. He doesn't get to use his she's my friend excuse since she doesn't exist anymore. He had his cry for a couple of days. He needs to be done with mourning her already. There's no need for him to go to her funeral since I wouldn't want her at his. He was the angriest I've ever seen him when I told him, replying that he'll be going no matter how I feel and that he's willing to burn this to the fucking ground while holding up his wedding band. Besides you, she was the closest friend in my life. That's what he told her. Him, her husband, and my sisters are calling me an insensitive asshole over this, all saying that there was no romantic aspect to their relationship and that I'm heartless. Her husband went so far as to calling me a ghoul for how I've reacted. I never felt their relationship was appropriate, and I hid that for years because I wanted to be with my husband. Now that she's gone, I don't feel like I should have to hide it anymore, and I can speak freely. Am I the asshole for just wanting him to be done with her and for him not to attend the funeral? Okay, normally I would say, yes, you're a fucking an asshole and I do think she's an asshole on the surface for saying you can't go because he should be able to go right like whatever but something you said in there 
was that the relationship made her uncomfortable. And I guess that is her fault for like, he kind of laid it out on the table and she kind of kept going with it. Uh-huh. I guess it's like when people show you who they are, then believe them. But I also feel like your wife should maybe come first before your ex-wife. But it's like a really important person to him, like a really good friend. Yeah. I don't know. I think she's a total asshole and I think she can get <laughs> fucked because he was clear from the get-go. Yeah, okay, maybe for the first month or two of dating, he didn't say, yeah, we were married at one point. But mm-hmm. she's moved on with a husband. He's friends with the husband and his ex-wife. It seems like they were so mature and ended on such good terms. I think this woman is incredibly insecure. Mm-hmm. I think her saying things like they'd go watch their geeky movies movies or whatever together shows me that she's kind of cold and she probably made fun of his interest or whatever was like oh nerdy blah 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 yeah she did say that she understood him in a way that she could never i think she's an (laughs) asshole i'm sorry and saying like oh he had his cry when he was at lunch with her the day she died. He had his cry. He needs to get over it. And he's not going to the funeral. That yeah. is the most no, in- that that insecure. is crazy. Yeah, that part is. But there's a part of me that understands her feeling uncomfortable about a relationship and him kind of saying like, but that's her choice. Oh, fuck it. Everyone voted she was the asshole. Okay. I just think it's a maturity thing. I think if you're like, I've said this with every one of the ones that are similar to this. Like if you're insecure about someone going to an ex's funeral, you've got some real big fucking issues to work yeah, on. that like, part. It gets me fired up. But like I get what you're saying and I understand like being empathetic towards the fact that she felt like there was this person from his past that was always closer. But you didn't have to bear that. Yeah. You could have dipped a long time ago. And I think acting heartless after she's dead just really shows who you are. Well, it also, I think she probably, this is getting deep. I think she probably held on thinking that she could change him or like pull him away from that friendship or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think she kept. People show you who they are early on. I know. And you need to believe them. Uh Uh-huh. All right, well, I fucking hate her, I guess. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I'm up first this week. You got a little side bitch for us? I sure do. This last weekend, my husband and I watched a documentary on HBO about Miss Cleo. I watched it too. You did? I did. (gasps) I thought it was really good. It was very nostalgic. Uh Uh-huh. If you guys don't know, Miss Cleo was a... Fraud. (laughs) After seeing the documentary, oh, I don't know if she was a fraud because there were so many people who did say like, oh, she knew things that (laughs) those infomercials played all the time on the TV and I remember them so vividly. So it was a very interesting documentary, but we have her obituary here. Oh, I love it. Yes. From Vanity Fair, Yuri Del Harris better known by her telephone psychic character, Miss Cleo, has passed away after battling cancer. She was 53. Miss Cleo was a cultural icon in the late 90s and early 2000s thanks to her commercials, which were created on behalf of the Psychic Readers Network. The minute-long spots gave a little preview of her no-nonsense, lively advice based on a tarot reading. Her commentary was usually funny, occasionally weird, and almost always dealt with relationships. The commercials would end with her shouting out her tagline. (laughs) We will not be doing her voice, but if you guys know, it's Call Me Now. 
Harris once told Vice, I was always bothered by the fact that, you know, people took the call me now quote very earnestly. When the Federal Trade Commission shut down the Psychic Readers Network operation in 2002 for fraud, Miss Cleo explored other ventures. She voiced her character in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which what? I didn't know that. Appeared in used car commercials and even had a podcast, but was never able to escape allegations that she was a fake, both as a psychic and as a Jamaican. That was interesting that she uh-huh. was born in Los Angeles. Like she was, but she would always talk about. Well, she was playing a role. She was playing a role. In a decade old interview with advocate.com, she clarified, I'm a shaman, an elder in a community who has visions and gives direction to people in their village. My clients and my students are my village. I take care of this community. If you sit down at my table, you have to take away a lesson and not just learn what is going to happen tomorrow. She passed away in Palm Beach County, Florida, surrounded by family and friends, according to her representative. Rest in peace, Miss Cleo. Rest in peace. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back with your coffin spinner. Yes. In the meantime, you can call 1-800-G-OFF and we'll tell you your future. <laughs> we'll be right back. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We told you we were going to be back. Yes, we predicted it, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Spencer, what had you spinning in your coffin? Oh, I'm very excited about my coffin spinner this week because it's a bit of a continuation from an episode of Cult Leader that I released on Tuesday this week. What? Uh-huh. If you missed it, I covered several stories of lottery winners who found themselves <gasps> as victims of the lottery curse. Okay, I haven't listened to that yet. Uh Uh-huh. Is it true, the curse? Yes. It is? I think so. You want to talk about something to believe in? Okay. It's the lottery curse. Does not end well for people. Money's the root of all evil. It really is. And also, I talk about it on that episode. On Tuesday, I talk about several different cases of, like, really tragic outcomes of lottery winnings and every single one of them is pretty much like i wish i would have never won or their families are like they wish they never won the lottery wow a lot of it though too is like gets really sad because 
It's usually people dying at the hands of other people because of greed or jealousy. Mm-hmm. And also people who win the lottery, I think it's like 70% or more, spend all of their money within the first three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. Well, it's hard because a lot of times people win and maybe they didn't have the privilege of learning about finances Mm -hmm. or how to manage their money whatsoever. And so they look at it and they're like, wow, I have $5 million. But they don't realize how fast that goes goes. and taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But it was a wild ride for sure. And it left me with a lot of questions that I thought would be perfect for our coffin spinners. So we're going to go a little all over the place. But I want to start with this gal that I absolutely fell in love with. Her name was Mel Edie. She would have been perfect for the themed funeral episode last week because I have never seen anything quite like this, but there's also (laughs) no one out there quite like Mel. Flamboyant is a perfect description for Mel. She was a trans activist from England who had one of the most colorful funerals, perhaps the most colorful (gasps) funeral in history after passing away at the age of 58 in May of 2019. Prior to her passing, Mel's life was literally a reality show with her as the star, according to her loved ones. And they're not lying. Mel originally came into the public eye in 2011 when she underwent gender-affirming surgery and gained media attention as a result. And then in 2014, she was one of the early applicants for the Mars One project. Do you remember that? No. It's when they got all those investors together and basically people could apply to be sent to Mars. Okay, okay. To establish a human colony. Yes. Which, funny enough, the first time that you and I, not the first time we met, but the first time we went anywhere together, you and me and some other people went to Indio. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And I remember one of our friends that was there was talking about wanting to sign up for it. And I remember being like, you want to go? I mean, you might have been a few drinks I was on a lazy river. They had a lazy Uh, river there. Remember? remember. We just floated. I was floating and getting (laughs) wasted. So (laughs) I don't know about Mars. Wasn't there a Murphy bed in that hotel That's where I slept. Mel was one of the early applicants to sign up to go on that mission to Mars. On the subject... Mel told the Daily Mail later on that as a child, I had two dreams, she explained. One was to become a woman. The other was to make history. (laughs) (laughs) Mars One is a mission about sending human beings to Mars. It's about colonizing Mars. So you take a trip one way and you start a new life. Wow. But that ended up not. It didn't happen? No. The trip or? Both. Okay. Popular broadcasting companies like BBC and Vice have chronicled bits of her life. And she appeared on several television programs, which I love. She was on a reality show called Tattoo Fixers. Where is that on MTV? It was this was in the UK. Oh, okay. okay. And she appeared because she had to have a tattoo removed. <laughs> when she had signed up for the Mars mission, she got the Mars One symbol tattooed on her. Oh no. <laughs> so she went on that show after her application for the mission was denied. Uh-huh. And was like, okay, get this off of me. But there was like a little <sighs> hashtag on it too. I'll show you. She was like, Yeah, I gotta remove this. There's a quote from her somewhere saying, like, 
okay, Mars isn't happening. I need this removed so I can move on here on planet Earth, mm. which I'm like, love it. Mm-hmm. Queen of moving on. Yes. Leave it in the past. Her story is actually kind of sad, though. Her parents and several of her biological children disowned her and changed their last names after Mel transitioned. What? I'm like, that's terrible. I hate. I think it's part of what pushed her towards her like fierce advocacy, though, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is the case for a lot of people. Mel chronicled her journey and posted content geared towards body positivity in the trans space on YouTube, creating several viral moments by doing things like dancing around with mayonnaise bottles or other objects attached to her breast, earning her the nickname Mayo Mel. I love it. She started to develop an online following after the virality of her videos, but along with new fans came an onslaught of trolls. Undeterred by the online transphobia, Mel continued on, partaking in any project she could get on to get her name out there. From auditioning for Britain's Got Talent to applying three separate times to be on the show Big Brother. Wow. She appeared several times on the Jeremy Kyle show, which I think is like the British Jerry Springer. (laughs) And the first time it was because there was a woman accusing her of trying to steal her husband (laughs) and the second time it was one of those like dna test episodes where her daughter discovered that she was not biologically mel's and just real wildlife mel okay there's something special about people that just like want to just be a part of everything well they just live their life out loud Uh uh-huh it's just like a personality Uh uh-huh okay so now on to the lottery i think it was in 2017 mel was at a gas station a patrol station Okay. And she bought a scratch-off ticket and ended up winning four million pounds. Oh my god. God love her. Prior to the win, she had been paying the bills as a taxi driver for like 15 years. Wow. She was once again garnering media attention, this time for hitting the jackpot, and she fucking loved it. Yeah. Okay. No, she... was living for it she did any interview she could like yeah and i won the lottery i'm rich (laughs) i love it unfortunately just two years later after her win mel died from a heart attack oh no but her friends and her partner rachel wanted to ensure mel got the send-off of her dreams oh the couple had met three years prior at a ghost hunt and got engaged just several days before mel's lotto win in 2017 <gasps> oh she won the lotto uh-huh her partner rachel laughed quote i'd never met a weirdo like me we would drive out in the middle of nowhere to see if we could spot ufos or look at an old church which i want to friends with mel i know her funeral took place on may 30th of 2019 and i have an article from the mirror that gives the lowdown and itv i pulled quotes from both so in her casket there was copies of her on the newspaper winning the lottery (laughs) a phone a phone charger her pokemon go collection yes tab ends you know tab like the energy drink like the pink a lighter a torch Farm food vouchers, McDonald's loyalty stickers, candles that read cunt, a (gasps) crucifix, coins, cans of Red Bull, quality streets, and a pink Adidas jacket. Her heartbroken fiance said that the lotto winner was the star of her own reality show when she spoke at her funeral. Mel's coffin arrived at the service in a rainbow-colored carriage pulled by white horses, and there were giant replicas of her winning scratch card and a $4 million check that stood in the crematorium. (laughs) 
fucking love her. Mourners dressed in vibrant clothes as she was given one hell of a send-off. Celebrant Alistair Devine sported a multicolored suit. I think they were interviewed. They have a mustache that's rainbow colored for the funeral and was like, Mel loved it like this. Um, They said Mel was a terrible millionaires who still loved a bargain despite her wealth. Speaking of her bizarre YouTube videos where Mel sang songs and hung objects from her chest, including mayonnaise, he said, yes, you may know her for getting her boobs out. Rachel (laughs) wore a black sweatshirt at the service with Mel got mayo printed on the back and a picture of two bottles hanging on the front oh my god a nod to one of mel's zany videos she sobbed as she said mel was the star of her own reality show earlier she said of mel who made numerous tv appearances i think she wanted everyone to know who she was and to make an impact on the world somehow but didn't know quite how the celebrant at the service said she was like no other person you could ever meet you could travel the whole world and you wouldn't find another mel oh some of mel Mel's four children did attend her funeral despite a rift within the family and the songs played included My Way by Frank Sinatra (laughs) and a mix of her YouTube and Facebook performances. Oh my god, I love her and I love the people around her. Look at the pictures. Wow. Aren't they incredible? (gasps) That is incredible. I don't know her, but I know she would love that. She would love it, and she would probably love that we're talking about her right now. Oh my god, Mel, we you're famous. We you love you, girly. Famous. You are famous, and we're going to do our best to make you even more famous. Yes. I found this other adorable lady, very different. She's nicknamed the Lottery Angel, and her name was Barbara Rag. And according to the Daily Record, the 77-year-old gave away 5.5 million of her 7.2 million pound fortune rags to riches rags to oh my god that would be a good headline for her when she won yeah quote barbara rag 77 said hours after winning with husband ray 7.6 million is too much for one couple to spend they helped friends strangers and 17 charities including hospitals and schools barbara died this week of complications from gallstones and at the time of the jackpot in 2000 she said as soon as we'd won we made our decision to give most of it away one early generous act was to sell their home cut price to a first-time buyer couple and give the 20,000 surplus to local hospitals in Sheffield. Oh my god, better woman than me. I know, truly an angel. As well as providing for children Mark and Sean and Amanda, the Sheffield United fans funded army veterans reunion trips. They did quit their jobs and splash out on a house on a posh estate. Ray, 80, paid tribute to his wife of 56 years saying, we were happy before we won and afterwards. We had a marvelous 18 years oh that is so sweet love her now on to a question that i had in my head since i did that lottery episode when you win the lottery or like a big cash prize on a scratcher or something you're left with two options you can either a take a lump sum which is lower than the total amount or b you can choose to be paid out annually Obviously, with option A, they can just delegate their cash because it was a lump sum in their will however they please. But I'm like, what if they chose the annual payments? Does it just stop when the person dies or is it passed on? So I decided to do some digging and here's what I learned according to Powerball.com. If a jackpot winner dies before receiving all annual installments, the balance of the prize will be paid to the winner's estate. 
So the money keeps coming, I guess. Wow. I didn't know that you had those options. Yeah, you have two options. If you choose the lump sum, it's significantly lower, I think. Like if you won like 50 million, I think you really get like 17 million or something. Wow. You know, that also I feel like protects you a little bit more. Like, look, cousin from who I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. I don't have all this money that you think. I'm just paid out annually. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. And I I get into it on the cult leader episode. There's different anonymity clauses in different states. Like, because I'm like, if I ever won the lottery, I would not want anybody to know. I wouldn't tell us. in California, you have to. Really? Not only do they announce the winner's first and last name, which you have to do. They also announce the store where they bought the ticket. All of it. It's like part of like a, I I forget the actual term Holding them accountable kind of thing. Well, it's for... It's like a visibility clause in California. But some states you can do it privately or collect it through an LLC or something. I don't know. Too dangerous. So I guess that explanation is pretty simple. I can just get passed on. But my next question was, what happens when someone buys a winning lottery ticket but dies before they can claim it? Oh. And this has happened. This is a pretty specific question and probably a rare occurrence. However, someone else posed the same question on the online forum, Cora, writing, if someone wins the lottery jackpot but dies before he or she has a chance to put in the claim, can a relative claim it? If there's an acrimonious dispute between members of the family, who decides the outcome? Mm -hmm. Which is tricky. Like, imagine if the dad died, he had a winning lottery ticket, but hadn't claimed it yet, but all three children or something knew, and, like, one of them wanted it. Like, who has the rights? A user wrote, I don't know which lottery you're referring to, but unless it's different from the ones I'm familiar with, the answer is clearly yes. If I purchase a lottery ticket, it's just a piece of paper with numbers on it, and a space where you can fill in your name and other required information. Typically, you would bring that ticket home and leave it on your desk until after the draw and then check the numbers. The only time I fill in my name is when I win something. And if it's one of the small prizes I can claim at the merchant, I don't usually even have to do that. So if I were to die before claiming the prize and my wife or one of my kids found the ticket, they could simply fill it out using their information. Of course, if I were to fill in the information and then die before I made it to the lottery offices, it should become part of my estate and be distributed according to the terms of my will. As for acrimonious disputes, I'm assuming that you're referring to disputes after the death of the winner. That's going to be decided by the terms of my will, and if someone wants to challenge that, it's up to the courts. Hmm. It'd probably just turn into a legal battle, I guess. Yeah. I don't think there's a definitive answer for it. I did have one story on there about this guy who won but died before any of the winnings were like, paid came out. In. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that would fucking suck. I know. Or maybe it was... A blessing. Yeah. Maybe you didn't succumb to the lottery curse. So the more you know. The more you know. So interesting. Yeah. I do think that people think on one hand, okay, what if it's me? What if I win? But I think most of the time you're like, I know I'm not going to win this. I think people have hope. And I think especially like, I mean, it's an addiction. I think like anything. Oh, A thousand percent. Mentally, I think people will do things like they'll think, okay, if I win this, I'm going to donate to this and I'm going to give this to my nieces and nephews so Uh they can get through college and then I'm going to do this and that. And it's like, okay, because I have that mentality and I'm not being selfish with it in my head, maybe I will win. And then, I don't know. I think it's just a mind fuck. Yeah. I mean, people win for sure. But listen, if any of you geoffs ever win the lottery, the first thing you do is go to a fucking financial advisor. And also, if you're going to take the lump sum, please invest it into retirement Mm -hmm. and 
trusts mm-hmm. and do not just lock it up and don't go buy in a big old fucking house that you can't afford to keep up yeah that's the thing people don't realize either it's like you go buy a three million dollar house it's like okay do you realize that it's gonna cost fifty thousand dollars a month to keep that house going mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. do you realize that the taxes on the house you're still gonna have to pay them every year or the yeah. hoa fees you're still gonna have to pay them every year like yep. nothing is free and nothing is ever really paid for yeah. when it comes to houses i feel like i know that's that be careful if you're out there paying the lottery but also if you win you can send us money and presents to p.o box one eight one four nine. exactly someone get us a goddamn gavel <laughs> I know. Um, no, but I just thought it was, uh, yeah, it was like something different. And when I found Mel's story, I was like, oh my God, I need to just work a coffin spinner around her. Oh God, I loved her. The star of the show. I loved her. Well, I can't wait to hear what had you spinning in your coffin this week. So we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear what had you spinning in your coffin, my friends. Alrighty. We'll be right back. As a Killer Psyche listener, you're probably always trying to learn more about forensic science and criminology. I know I am. That's why I'm thrilled to partner with the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program. Their completely online program is designed for working professionals. Over 1,500 students have earned their master's degree since the program began in 2000. Specialize in forensic science, forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, or in forensic drug chemistry to gain the skills, expertise, and credentials to move ahead in your forensic career. Ready to shape your future in forensic science? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash killer psyche. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And we're back. What had you spinning in your coffin this week, girly? Was it winning the lottery? No, but I think some lottery winners would maybe like to join this program. <gasps> Tell me about your program. Okay, give me the elevator pitch. What are you selling? <laughs> girly, I don't know what I'm selling, but I do know that I am in my like government girly era. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. I mean, last week we talked about prisons. We sure did. This week, I wanted to dive into the world of witness protection. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's something that I've always thought about and think it's just such a like weird thing to think about. You don't know how many people you come in contact with that maybe are in the witness protection program. My parents got a neighbor. Really? Oh, he keeps to himself. Okay. He always pristine lawn, pristine everything. Very simple house. Mm -hmm. Nice, but simple. Mm -hmm. 
very well manicured. Uh-huh. Sunglasses, hat, never talks to anyone. Like a disguise. Things are always closed. All the, all the blinds and everything are very closed. Oh, maybe. He's an enigma. I'll say that. Okay. Well, we'll get into it and and maybe we figure out if he is or not. So I wanted to look into this, but I also, of course, wanted to put like an obituary spin on things. So I really was more curious about the death side of witness protection. I was kind of disappointed a little bit, but what happens when someone dies in witness protection? What happens with your old identity when you are sent away? And what happens if it's unsuccessful? and everything in between. So let's get into it. Doing topics like this really makes me feel, and we've talked about this, Spencer, it makes me feel like obituary is what you should listen to before and and sometimes after, like a true crime story or like a mob story or anything like that because we kind of cover the topics like that that you don't dive into. It's a sandwich, really. I'm just plugging the show on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first off, a little history of witness protection. And again, kind of like last week's episode, things are case by case. Things are state by state. There's different types of witness protection. We'll we'll go over it. But the Witness Protection Program, also known as WITSEC or Witness Security Program, was founded in 1971 by a man named Gerald Schur. And he was a trial lawyer most of his career. And I found an article talking about him on the Reading Eagle from 2007. And it kind of talked about like how he created this program. And it was a direct response to the Organized Crime Act of 1970, where the act concluded that the government would indeed protect a witness. And he goes into detail in this article just a couple little snippets it says from the moment he began guarding some of the most controversial mobsters and gangsters in u.s history his life would be changed forever once his teenage daughter picked up a phone to the question have you ever thought about death from like just some random person like yeah another time he was asked to go into hiding after being targeted by a colombian drug cartel his wife was then assigned an armed full-time guard posing as a student teacher in the school where she taught at one time everything i did was secret even me said sure who is retired and living in bucks county he's since passed away it goes on to say his fascination with battling organized crime stemmed from childhood conversations with his father addressing maker in New York City's mob-infested garment district. My father hated the mob and what it did in a community. Then he goes on to say, I began to hear people say, I can't testify. I'll be murdered before or after I testify. He understood why. Files in his office contained photos of dead informants, including one who had worn a wire for the FBI. His killers jammed wires through his head and tortured him with a cattle prod, he said. One guy was buried alive. It was brutal. We needed to produce a system where we could immediately protect them. Then maybe we could get more witnesses. So that's kind of why he started it. That's what I think of because I think of like Goodfellas and whatnot. Uh Uh-huh. But when I think of the Witness Protection Program, but it's interesting that it is so new. One, I mean, it came around in the 70s and also that it was really organized. Yeah. Yeah. So like organized crime. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Some more interesting things that I found out is that WITSEC has almost a 100% success rate, although we will get into some unsuccessful examples, and mostly it's just people not following the rules. But I didn't know this, that 95% of the people who are 
in WITSEC are criminals themselves. And they were just, you know, given a deal because they were a witness. Oh, I think that's kind of what they get scared of, especially like they're turning on... Well, yeah, that's their, why they have family to. family or whatever. Exactly. That's why they have to. And around 10 to 20 percent of them reoffend, But almost 20,000 people are currently in the program in the United States. And this includes the witnesses and their families, because you have to think about it like your nuclear family typically will go with you. And there are so many stories of kids fucking up the stories. And Oh, God, I bet. Also, a trial that involves someone in witness protection has an almost 90% conviction rate. So I assume to take down like a big boss and an organized crime family, the federal government sees this as like a no-brainer to protect a witness for them to get such a big get. But something else, the FBI does not run witness protection, rather the U.S. Marshals do. And this type of witness protection is done at the federal level. There are also state-run witness protection programs. And states that have state-run programs that are not federally funded are California, New York, Texas, Illinois, and Washington, D.C., to name a few. The witness protection program will protect a witness before, during, and after a trial that they are testifying at. And typically the trials are organized crime, drug trafficking, and terrorists. This was so interesting to me. There is a safe area for witnesses and their families to stay like during the trials. And it's known as the WITSEC Safe Site and Orientation Center. This place can have up to six families at a time living there without any other family seeing the other family. Weird. The witness and his family must attend a full-blown witness protection program orientation there too. And there they are evaluated medically and psychologically. They are also examined to see like what their skill levels are. So what kind of job could they be given in their new life? And you're given a new first and last name, although I've read the first name is optional. Like you could keep your first name, new social security numbers, birth certificates, driver's license. And if you have children, they will receive new school records. When it is time for you to be relocated, not to a choice of your own and put into a furnished home, I've heard horror stories too of like they just put you in a motel and they don't fucking protect you. But this is just, you know, in general. Yeah. You are given about six months stipend to live off of, but you must rebuild, find jobs, and rejoin society as any other normal person. And throughout the whole entire process, you are given a caseworker who is a U.S. Marshal who will surveil you 24-7 until you are out of immediate danger. And then you guys work out how often you contact each other but people definitely sort of vanish into thin air when put into these programs and you obviously can't go around advertising that you were admitted into WITSEC so many people either assume that you are in it or that you have died and there are a few stories that I've heard about fake graves which makes me think going to a cemetery like is there you see someone's you know gravestone it's like are they really under there or is all of them in there and was their shoulder sold to the body broker? i know i know god who knows the world we're living in for the most part though people sort of just vanish but i low-key kind of do feel like maybe witness protection fakes their death because like they're not going to tell us they fake their deaths right you know so i don't know but also if you were to die in witness protection custody you would have a funeral exactly how you would want it as your new alias 
But I didn't know this and I thought it was cool. So let's say you and your immediate family, like your husband and kids, all have to go into witness protection because you witnessed some horrific thing. I was writing this the other day. (laughs) I was cracking myself up. I can't even do it. Because you you witnessed some horrific thing and you're a stupid little fucking little rat. (laughs) (laughs) It's true then. The rats. You never you never want to be the snitch. Oh god. But there are secure lines where you can make phone calls to family. Like that. Oh, there are. I always wondered. And I don't know how often you're granted this, if it's in your home or not. And I know you have to talk to the probably your US Marshal that's assigned to you. But then also there's even a secure mail program that they offer you and your family to mail each other stuff, but you're not allowed to keep mail from outside Mm. like you can see it and whatever and and then the u.s marshal takes it imagine like your niece or nephew send you a picture of them i'd be like i want to keep it well i think that's always the hardest part to me is thinking of like never being able to contact my family and let them know that i'm okay i know i'm sure everything's monitored too i'm sure the lines are monitored like you can't say i'm somewhere where it snows and it starts with a v (laughs) (laughs) okay but i have some stories about the witness protection gone wrong and then i also want to just start us off with a highly outrageous conspiracy theory of someone who faked their death and were put into witsec so that story is about elvis apparently the king was put into witness protection because i've heard a couple different things i've heard stuff about the mob then i've also heard that he just wanted a way out of his life and all the bullshit and he was great friends with nixon and so he got like put into the witness protection program so apparently he was relocated to arkansas and changed his name to bob joyce bob joyce is a pastor and he is also a musician and he sounds just like him. It's not Elvis. It is. Hold it's on. not him. He even has a scar on his hand that Elvis had, and he has a crooked pinky like Elvis did because of a broken pinky. He looks nothing like Elvis. Oh, come on. Elvis didn't even look like Elvis. Elvis did look like Elvis, just the hair's different because Elvis was naturally a blonde, but... Okay, but just listen. No, that's not Elvis. That would be Elvis maybe at 87. <laughs> no, it's, Elvis is dead. <laughs> he left the building on. All right. Okay, we'll move on then. We'll move on to Daniel Lapola. He was put into the witness protection in the 70s, and he did not follow the rules in witness protection. He was new. He was pretty new. From what I could find, I know that he was surveilled by the U.S. Marshals, but I don't think that he was like sent away to another state yet because I think he was still on an ongoing case testifying against the mob. It had something to do with like the theft of army rifles. There wasn't a ton about him to be honest. Okay. But in 1972, he got wind of an important funeral happening in his hometown. He shouldn't have attended it, but he did. Why? He just wanted to. He was okay at the funeral. However, he decided to push his luck and go check on his old house that I believe just stood vacant for the time being. 
He went and opened his front door, and as soon as he did, the house exploded (gasps) because it was booby-trapped by the mob. What? And Daniel's body was thrown with the blast, and he died of injuries to his upper torso. Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Like, I wonder if it was already, it probably was already booby-trapped. Because I'm like, maybe they saw him at the funeral and ran over and were like, booby-trap him. Or they knew he would come back for that funeral. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe it was not even a real funeral. Maybe it was Elvis. No, he's in Arkansas. I'm gonna put a bomb in this house. Gonna blow this man. No. How's that? Oh, I loved it. Thank you. All right, then we have John Patrick Tully. John was part of the Campisi crime family, and he was convicted of murder. Four counts to be exact. Moida? Moida. And he was also a drug trafficker and robber. And he was just, he was not a good guy. But he served a lighter sentence because he said he would cooperate and help send other members of his crime family to jail. Jail? He's got a son of a cell? <laughs> Oh my god, and then what, Madison? And then um <laughs> he he went into Whitsack. Oh my god. Okay, he was moved to Texas and lived under the name Jack Johnson. And, and he became an indie and he sung sang about pancakes. <laughs> no, instead he worked as a hot dog vendor. When I was reading about him, everyone made this point in their articles about I guess in his former days he robbed a bank to buy a hot dog stand before and now he's working at one. Oh, he lived his dream. He did. But by the time he was Jack Johnson, his run-ins with the law didn't change and he was arrested numerous times for drunk driving and public intoxication, but he said that he started being harassed by the police in Texas. He decided to run for mayor. In 1991, according to Rama.com, <laughs> Not Rama. <laughs> it says, quote, Tully fought back by publicly revealing his true identity. He wrapped himself literally in the American flag and standing on the steps of City Hall with his seven-page rap sheet in one hand and a beer in the other, announced his entry into the 1991 race for mayor. His reasons for running. As a reformed criminal, he was a better candidate than typical politicians who get into office and then start crooking. (laughs) He's like, hey, I was corrupt before. (laughs) Yeah. And then number two, if the police are going to hit me, then they'll have to hit me in the limelight. Tully actually won 496 votes, but he lost the race. And I don't believe that he was killed by the mob. Just went back to selling hot dogs. Yeah. Now... How could we talk about the Witness Protection Program without talking about Henry Hill? Henry. Henry Hill, if you don't know who Henry Hill is, watch Goodfellas. Spencer, I know it's your favorite. It's one of mine. Favorite it's movie. The best. Ray Liotta plays him, and it's wonderful. And at the end of the movie, you see him in the Witness Protection. The real Henry Hill was part of the Lucchese crime family. He played a huge role in the Lufthansa heist at the Kennedy Airport in the 70s. They stole $5.8 million in cash. And then he was ultimately arrested on narcotics charges. And he agreed to cooperate with law enforcement and became an informant. And he testified against a ton of people. I never knew how many people he testified against, but his test. Justification. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Madison Reyes Law. Oh, his testimony. 
led to 500 His testifications <laughs> led to 50 convictions. Damn. I know. That's so like some shit that would happen on Goodfellas or not Goodfellas a uh, fucking well yeah Goodfellas but also remember I started watching The Sopranos Oh absolutely Uh-huh Uh-huh He his wife Karen and two children Gina and Greg then of course had to enter the witness protection program However he did not follow the rules as expected Henry changed his name to Martin Lewis and allegedly they were moved around quite a bit in Washington, Montana, Kentucky, Ohio, and Nebraska. But in 1982, Henry met a woman named Sherry, and Henry was still technically married to Karen, but not to the new Karen. And he went ahead and married Sherry. Sherry! <laughs> but still married to Karen. Oh my God. Now Karen found out, and Sherry and Karen confronted him. Then Sherry was like, you know what, actually, change of heart. I'm not leaving him. Like, I'm still going to be married to him. Then in 1987, he was convicted of cocaine trafficking in Seattle. He was kicked out of the witness protection program. Karen didn't file for divorce until 1990, and it wasn't finalized until 2002. And then in 2005, his ass got arrested again in Nebraska at an airport because he left a suitcase with drugs in it. Then in 2009, he was arrested again for disorderly conduct and resisted resisting arrest he only lasted seven years in witness protection and then died in 2012 of heart disease complications but something i started looking into i was like why the fuck wasn't he killed like not that i would want that but like why didn't the mob come after him uh-huh. especially if his testification probably like he's someone's gonna catch us I don't think they cared about that from the theories that I hear. I think that they... <laughs> telling you okay. that you hear? <laughs> Luciano back there is telling me everything. <laughs> oh, she went to Buca de Beppo once and now she has an attitude. <laughs> Luciano at Buca de Beppo, he's telling me everything I'm telling you. The mob wanted him to live in fear. They were like, this is worse than killing him he's gonna have to sit and live in every interview that he does he talks about knowing that he will be murdered but he just hasn't been yet and then there's another theory that he was now famous and then also apparently the mob didn't blame harry for testifying they blamed this other guy named like paul or something because paul was like a dick and made him do shit so who knows? Who knows? But that's the witness protection program, girlies. I fucking love it because I have a lifelong obsession with spies and all that kind of <gasps> Mr. stuff. Mr. S. Uh-huh. I don't know if we've told that, but... Detective S. Oh, Detective S. Spencer so my family used to... used to call me. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll share some more details about my private investigator life. <laughs> and another level. There was a movie, a made-for-TV movie. I just Googled it while you were talking. It came out in 2006. It's called Family in Hiding. And I watched <gasps> it probably within the past year maybe year and a half okay stars brenda strong okay from desperate housewives uh-huh. as the mother okay and her and her two kids go into the witness protection program <gasps> and it's such a suspenseful like lifetime movie because the whole time you're just like don't give away any details right like, the know. kid's like why can't i try out for the basketball team ma and she's yeah. like because they can't know who you are. Yeah, you were the star player back in Jersey. Yeah. They're going to know. Oh. I think you're actually just stereotyping. They're not okay. all from Jersey. <laughs> okay. okay. We'd like sorry. to apologize to the um, Italian community. No, my <laughs> God. We love it. Love your food. Love what you're doing. Love, love Jersey your movies. <laughs> we did just rewatch season one of Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
We're cool. No, we don't mean any harm. If one of us went to the witness protection program, we'd have to go together. Aww. Can you imagine? Fuck, what would you change your name to? My name? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I don't even know. I think I would pay a little homage to, like, what I would have been named, and I would be Montana. Okay, okay. Maybe I'd be, like, Montana. Mm. More? That's my my maiden name, so no. Montana? Jovanina? No. Uh, <laughs> Montana? Germanata? <laughs> Montana Soprano. No. <laughs> um, Montana... Man, there's so many oh, names. Yeah, there's so many things to think of. We'll let you think on that. Williams. <laughs> Montel. Montel. Uh, probably Montana. I don't know what would Myers? you Myers. Montana Myers. Mm. Morchetti. Montana Vaughn. <laughs> so you're like your witness protection is you're a burlesque personality. Yeah. <laughs> It's Mont. That's a really discreet how you're gonna fit in in a new town. Oh yeah, the name. Uh, it's Montana Von Van Giuliani. I think the witness protection is I have to act like a different era. So <laughs> they really don't know. I would just have like a transatlantic accent. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Hi, uh, honey. Oh, my God, I. Uh, I don't my know. name's don't Montana Von Krumpendorf. <laughs> Of the Crumpendorf family fortune. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, you ever heard of my uh, great-grandpa? Tracheotomy. Hyundai <laughs> <laughs> Elantra. <laughs> oh, no. Too soon. No, no, no. Have you ever heard of my uh, grandpa? A uh, Honda pilot? <laughs> Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> okay, what would yours be? Mine? Mm-hmm. Witness protection. And what would you reinvent yourself as? Like, what would you be? I'd go, because my last name is Henry, so I would go, I would use Henry, I would turn it to Hank, because Hank is in a Hank for Henry. I like, I like the name Hank. So I'd be Hank, uh, something classic. Hanky-panky. Hanky-panky. Hey, I'm all hanky-panky. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Williams. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> no, Hank Hughes, maybe. Hank Hughes. Hank Hughes. Simple. I'd go to Vermont if I could. Mm-hmm. I would well, say. They'll send you somewhere. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, I'd probably go somewhere rural, probably, yeah. I would end up. So I would just make up a backstory about how I grew up. Just very simple. I mean, I've also watched enough Lifetime and Hallmark movies to, like, I could fucking push out a story about a small town. Wait. I have something that I've been wanting to share on the <laughs> show. Cry emotional. <laughs> Wait, you Wait, know. I have something to say, Okay. <laughs> What? I need We're you. We're waiting. We have nowhere to go. I'm... I need you to join me in it. Did the you? Witness Protection Program. Yeah. If we joined the Witness Protection Program together, they would have to rename that sucker to the Litness Protection oh, Program, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Did you see how this person forced a bot to watch over 1,000 hours of Hallmark Christmas movies? Oh, my God. Yes. Did you read it? No. Okay. Um, Sorry to everyone who sent it to me. I didn't read it. I'm going to send you both of these so that I'm going to be the single mother and you're going to be the businessman and we can act it out. Okay. The Christmas on Christmas. Small town snow globe refillery. <laughs> we see a single mother refilling snow globes with Christmas juice. She is widow. Her husband died in every war. <laughs> single mother. 
I refill globes better than Jesus' claws. Yet still, my twins are dad-free. Why? They need double dad. Businessman enters the shop. Oh. He wears clothes that cost the money. His hands are briefcases. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Hallmark hot. Single mother. Hi, do your snow globes lack wet? Hurry, Christ mess attacks soon. Businessman has flashback to when he was business boy. A Christmas tree explodes his family on purpose. He now hates trees and Christmas and explosions. He exits the flashback. Businessman. Shut your sound. I'm from huge city. I bought your land and I'm turning it into an oil resort. <laughs> Rude behavior. This is a family business. I sell families. I am widow. My husband is now bones. The single mother points to her husband's bones in the corner of the room. <laughs> they are all gift wrapped in eggnog. Oh no. All of my wives are bones. That is America. But I must make money for my twins to live. They are a prince. <laughs> I too own twins. Please don't have bought my land. Christmas is today. Laugh. I bought Christmas. Now it is never. Unless we go on dates. <gasps> I cannot date because of a snow curse. I pray Santa helps me. Santa cannot help. She did not know, but Santa was her husband. Santa is bones. Bones help nobody. <gasps> and scene. Um... <laughs> Academy Award. Oh, my God. <laughs> the single mother and the businessman. Oh, I love it. I love it. God, well, I wonder if people in the Witness Protection Program get an obituary. They do if it's just their name. Okay. Okay, but maybe we should read some. Yeah, good. It's time to do that, <laughs> I think. <laughs> okay, so I have this woman named Delia Allen, and I love her, and you'll see why. It's very sweet one this week, which I typically don't go towards the street. St the streets. Street. I don't, yeah, you do. I'm for the streets, baby. <laughs> 1956 to 2016. and moved peacefully into the vast universe on November 17th of 2016. The cause was the very rare HLH, which I looked up, and HLH is a rare but potentially fatal condition in which certain white blood cells, histiocytes, and lymphocytes build up in and damage organs including the bone marrow liver and spleen and destroy other blood cells she was born july 2nd of 1956 in tool utah to max fordham and florence regina fordham she married ronald allen in ansbach germany on november 15th of 1974 and they celebrated their 42nd wedding anniversary two days before her death oh. Everyone she met loved Anne. Her career at Intermountain Healthcare spanned almost 39 years and included nursing and later cardiovascular research at LDS Hospital. Anne then moved to Intermountain Medical Center in Murray, where she managed emergency planning and preparedness for the urban central region. Anne completed her LPN at Salt Lake Community College in 1976 with a BS in health education in 1989 from the University of Utah and a master's in emergency planning in 2006 from APU. She was a true Utah fan and proud that her husband and children all graduated from the U. In the mid-80s, Anne's fellow firefighters slash EMTs appointed her as Stansbury Station Chief and she excelled in instituting higher levels of training for the volunteers. Anne served on boards and committees in Stansbury Park and during her career, Anne was a notable member of research teams that were published in national journals and she received numerous awards. Anne was incredibly humbled and when she received a new award or completed a new certification she would ask ron not to tell anyone 
Oh, I love that. After her last promotion at IHC, she was so embarrassed at all of the degrees and certifications listed behind her name on her new business cards that she threw them in her desk drawer and often told people she was out of cards if asked. Anne left us some final comments as follows. So it's kind of a self-written from here out. And it says, what a wonderful life. It's now time to see another part of the universe. My parents taught me to give 110% to make people laugh and to analyze my life for improvements. Mm. Growing up, my parents gave me daily hugs, kisses, and were amazing examples. I was lucky to marry well and have 42 very happy years with Ron. We have six amazing children, three biological and their spouses. My granddaughters and grandson could make me laugh so hard, tears would stream down my face. (laughs) I often felt that I had won the lottery of life. I experienced no greater joy than to hang out with my family and friends. I loved working for Intermountain Healthcare for almost 39 years before HLH changed my path and I retired. As I campaigned door to door during my husband's elections, I could tell the health of a community by the laughter of children. I believe that if we do everything we can to nurture our children, more troubles in the world would be resolved. I have requested that my body be donated to the U of U body donor program. Maybe some days the mystery of HLH will be unleashed by science and others to avoid the pain of this rare disease. She lists her husband, grandchildren, all the people surviving her, and says, thank you all for being my family and friends. I love you forever and always. Thanks to the many nurses, doctors, and specialists at IHC, Utah Cancer Center, and Community Nursing Services who gave me almost three years of extra time. After my diagnosis... We all knew that every day was a gift. A celebration of life for family and friends will be held at XYZ. In lieu of flowers, please donate to Utah MDA or your favorite other charity. I just thought it was like... There's something so special about self-written obituaries. And I know I've seen quite a few of you guys write things like, oh, I really plan on writing my own obituary now. Yes. If you have that opportunity and you're, I mean, not lucky enough to be in that position, but like you don't die instantly. I know. I know. I mean, may God take me fast, please. I do not want to struggle and have that time to even think about it. But I think it's. There is something about, and I think we should do it now i mean not knowing when we're gonna pass but like maybe it's a yearly updated thing well just to sit and reflect upon your life like it gives me the chills like if you really just sat and like reflected of like all the things that were great and all the things that were great about yourself Uh that like you could write about it's like a form of therapy i think Uh uh-huh something very cathartic about it yeah like when shannon bedore had to (laughs) No, Shannon Bedore, when she was going through her tumultuous divorce, separate, separation, divorce, marriage after David cheated. Uh huh. They went to some seminar with this woman who was helping them. It was like marriage therapy, and they had to shed a tombstone, and Shannon had to lay there like she was dead, and <sighs> David had to read her an obituary basically they did that on true life too on an episode was it the ocd one it was it was it was the the one we watched she goes to the hollywood forever i think cemetery yes and they pretend her mom died because that was Uh her biggest fear Uh uh-huh oh beautiful love it all right i have an obituary from rochelle she sent it to us she also sent us a very detailed email about usps and cremated remains that we'll save for another episode but okay she said p.s i am also attaching a picture of an obituary for you i was telling my grandma about the podcast and much to my surprise she pulled out a whole stack of obituaries that she had saved our kind of girl our kind of gal they were all either people she knew or 
ones that she found funny. She didn't know this person, but got a chuckle out of her obituary and told me that she wanted hers to be funny too. Oh, we're going to save your email for another episode because it's a really good story, but I wanted to at least share this obituary. So this is for Sarah Sally Schantz. Sarah Sally Schantz, nurse anesthetist, amateur archaeologist, world traveler, First and foremost, she is a diehard Eagles fan and can pass to the ever after now that they won the Super Bowl. (laughs) This is from 2018. While working as an anesthetist at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, Sally also joined underwater diving archaeological expeditions in Central America. Wow. What a life. After she retired from TJU, she expanded her travels to include every continent except Antarctica. She will lie and tell you that she is older than she is, so you will tell her how great she looks. (laughs) I like that. Her sarcastic wit and infectious laugh will be missed. She can line up every room that she walks into. She is an avid shopper, and she almost single-handedly kept Macy's in business for years. She stalks the paperboy if her paper isn't delivered by 6 a.m. so she can do her crossword puzzles for the day. (laughs) Her daughters, Tess and Joanna, their parents, Bob and Charlie, respectively... Her granddaughter, Virginia, and her spirit animal, Cleo, will be lost without her light. But honestly, she just couldn't stand another minute of drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Short, like a good length. She sounded like a fun gal. A real good time gal. Thank you for sending that in, Rochelle. I love it. And I love that your grandma was like, I'm keeping this. I know. Got a little chuckle. (laughs) Like such a weird thing to do, but also we get it. I don't think so. I get it. Well, we've spun in our coffins. We've bitched our obituaries. I guess that means it's time for some dumb uh, ask criminals. Okay, that's my girl. Oh, she looks like me. <laughs> oh, no. Well, wait till you hear what she did. Oh, no. Okay, this took place in Tampa, Florida. Okay. We got a Florida woman who this happened, oh, shit, recent, October of 2022. Her name is Shelby. She's 24. I'm not going to say her last name. We'll give her that. She's young. We make mistakes. The Lee County Sheriff's Office said deputies established a checkpoint at Hickory Boulevard in King's queue to assist with hurricane relief efforts however around 12 30 a.m on sunday our gal shelby sped through the checkpoint it did not stop which the sheriff's office said put the deputies lives in danger mm. she continued speeding down hickory boulevard before making a u-turn and driving back through the checkpoint at a high speed <laughs> so she said like i'm doubling the fuck down but wait According to authorities, this is what got me. While the deputy called for backup, he saw Shelby. She stops after speeding through it a second time, takes a selfie. Yes! <laughs> before driving <laughs> off again when the deputy <laughs> exited his vehicle. So she was like, all right, you got me. And then he's getting out of the car and she's like, jeez. Oh, and then takes off again. do that. Reckless girl, <gasps> this girl, you're in trouble. But girl, I kind of love that she stopped and took a selfie. I know I she's like, 24, she's still young, she can turn her life around. 24, you got years more, you'll mm-hmm. learn your lesson. I mean, they got her. Well, I mean, they did get her. She she doesn't sound like a boar. She clearly got a, a mug shot taken. She was charged with two counts of fleeing and eluding, driving under the influence, and curfew violation. Oh. 
curfew violation. I, I saw that, but they were doing a checkpoint and stuff for hurricane relief. So I'm like, oh, maybe oh, if oh. there was like a natural disaster happening, yeah. people probably have a curfew. Remember when we had a curfew with COVID? <gasps> yes. It was like, be inside by six. <sighs> We loved it because we loved to be told what to do. I'm like, I can't, I can't go outside. I'm oh, so sorry. Sorry, I woke up three hours ago. Man, man, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who you got? Oh my gosh, this was sent to us a hundred times from a Fox News article I just pulled. Law enforcement officials in Florida arrested two alleged burglars after they called 911 to ask for help. <laughs> Moving their belongings from a home that wasn't theirs. Excuse me? Are you kidding me? The Pope County Sheriff's Office says that 23-year-old Martin and 22-year-old Ashia Liz were in the process of burglarizing a home on December 29th of this year. Oh, right after Christmas, you fucking assholes. Uh When one of them called 911 and asked for help with moving some of their belongings, deputies said that the couple was in the residence because they were looking for a place to sleep for the night. Okay, this is where I get a little confused because post-Miranda... So he's read his Miranda rights. Yes. He then admits that he committed burglary at a Dollar General... Because he needed to get items to sell to make for money. And then he stated that he knew that he was in the wrong, but he needed money. And he stated that he knew that the residence wasn't his and he didn't have permission to go in. But they wanted to get out of the cold. I mean, how cold is it in Florida? One, not very probably. Oh, that's true. That's true. (laughs) And two... I just feel like a lot of drugs were involved. I do too. But yeah, they called because they're like, we need some help moving this stuff out of here. Was it like that lady who remember called 911 to have someone come open a beer for her? Yeah, I do love that. (laughs) Fucking savage. Oh my gosh. We all make mistakes. We do. But you know what? What? I got to tell you. We gave you New Year's resolution. Uh Uh-huh. We gave you in-depth talking about our faults that we're trying to fix oh yeah we talked about all the regular stuff and then we gave you a performance we get we did a table read wow and you guys gave something to us yep i see that fucking package madison has been wanting to open it all night she asked me three times if she could open it and i said no you have to wait till we're recording she's like a kid i swear to god anytime she gets a package Oh my god, I love it. While you're opening that, because it looks like it's going to be a process, I'm going to open some letters. Look at these cuties. Oh, Christmas cards? Charlie, Percy, and Franklin. Let me see. Look at the babies. (gasps) No! Oh my god, I love them. Charlie, Percy, and Franklin, the cutest names. Cutest? I think this is an, oh my god. I, I love them. This is another Christmas card. Oh. It's cute. Dear Spencer and Madison, longtime fan Adriana here. Happy holidays. Sending mountains of love. Thanks for all the informative hours, laughs, tender obituaries this year. The obituaries that rock my world are the ones that are wholesome, full of wisdom, heartfelt, and humbling. They inspire fresh, grounded perspective on life. Who doesn't love that? Take care of yourselves, you two wonderful treasures. That's all a supporter would want this holiday season. XOXO Adriana. Oh my god, that's cute. That's Look a at the cute little card, card too. And that was beautifully said. Really beautifully said. You chose the least sharp knife too. Okay, sit down. Oh my god. I just saw something. Okay, this is from a Canadian geoff. $31 to ship it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? All the way from Canada for us? Yes. What the fuck? Thank you, Canada. 
Well, I'm sure I'll be able to thank you by name, hopefully soon. What is in there? I can't even see. Pull it out. Let's see. A box packed. With treats and presents? What is that? Beanies from Stretch Customs. I'm putting it on. Give it to me. I'm going to put mine on. So cool. We love a beanie. Oh, baby. How do I look? So good. Matching. Okay, wait. Oh, there's a card. Hold on. Read the card. Come on. Oh, hey there. Some quick things about me as I am a stranger from Canada. My name is Charlene. Age, we're not going to say your name. Your age. <laughs> we're not saying your name. <laughs> I love cult leader and obituary. I'm a serious geoff. I'm a farrier or farrier. Trim and horseshoe horses. Do you know? You were just talking about this the other day. When I walk by the, I, I take the dogs by the horses every day. And sometimes they're out there cleaning their horseshoes you were literally said to me like i said this like a week yesterday and i like i love it's so satisfying to watch them do it i love it oh my god and i also work with the honey building sexy and beautiful trucks our business is called stretch customs we're on facebook the world wide web instagram cheap plug ha 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 (laughs) enjoy your treats keep on keeping on you rock and i love you all you are both amazeballs spencer madison hot dog doris desi sincerely charlene oh what i want to see is that a picture of the family a picture of the family oh look at the dog and the kids we see like just a wholesome family and she's so cute oh what does the back say it has, um, it says Char, Kevin, and then I don't want to say their kids' names because, oh, but I will say the dog's name is Chloe, who's 11, so sweet, baby. Oh my gosh, if you're in Canada and you need horseshoes or you need a big, sexy, beautiful truck, oh. hit them up. Go to Stretch Customs because it's cool. I'm going to wear this beanie, okay? We got some stickers. <gasps> we got some pens. Oh my God. Okay, Wait. We got pens. We got Ruffles ketchup flavor. Open that bitch up. Do you know that I am a ketchup? He's a ketchup freak. I want to try one. Open it. I've never had this before. Is this like only in Canada? Yeah. Oh. Okay. ASMR. Sorry for crunching in your guys' ears. ASMR. I like it. Mmm. 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 I like it. Feels like you just dipped it. I like it. I love it. Chex Mix. Those look special. What are these? <laughs> we are the worst at it, people. I mean, I'm. you're from Canada, so we trust you. But we will just open food. People send us and I know. eat it. Is this like wasabi? Okay, sorry about the chewing. This is all very good. Cookies. No. Let me see. And like bark and stuff. What a cutie. This looks good. She's like, I, we make THC products. <laughs> We're all fucked up. I'm going to die. Maple syrup. Real Canadian maple syrup. Do you know I got so into syrup after Vermont, so I cannot wait to try. Oh, my God. You can open that. Well, finally. <laughs> oh, my God. Container for maple syrup so we can share it. Oh. You are so cute and thought of everything. Well, raise another, it's a frame in it. It says, raise another glass, boys, and have another glass. Be thankful for today, knowing it'll never last. And let's have the world again with, when our eulogies are read, may we get to heaven, for the devil knows we're dead. Irish proverb and a turnpike troubadour's song. P.S. Also give the funeral a lesson. Oh my God, love it. 
Soaps. Oh, beautiful. Is that eucalyptus or peppermint? That's good, yeah. God, how many things did you give us? Oh, my God. Shirts. Oh, my God, I'm wearing it. I'm going to wear it. I, I like it. I it's sick. It's cool. Because it's cool. It's because it's cool. Okay. Okay, you are too kind. What did, what is all this? Oh, doggy treats. Doggy treats, cheesy dog treats. And, and they wrote the ingredients to l let us know that you they're safe. You are oh my God. an angel. Hot dog and Desi and Doris are going to lose it. Whole wheat flour, crushed flax seeds, cheddar cheese, milk, egg, bacon. Oh my God, I want to eat these. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Jesus. Um, Charlene and family, you guys are absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. This just... My favorite is the ketchup chips. I think so, but I also think the dog treats are... You guys are too good to us. Too good to us. I can't even handle it. We're just eating everything we're, right now. <laughs> we're calling you if we ever go into the witness protection program. All right. Well, before Madison crunches in your ear one <laughs> more <sorry>. time, <laughs> I'm going to say our goodbyes. We love you guys so much. You never have to send us shit. But if you want to, it's P.O. Box 18149 Long Beach, California 90807. You can follow us on TikTok at Obituary Podcast. I hope you guys like some of the new videos that are up there. And then Instagram at Obituary Pod. And Twitter at ObituaryPod. And you can write to us, obitpod at gmail.com. And that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with some more Quaffin Spinners. Obituaries. And, um, Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Obituary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.